You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Um, this episode is a coaching episode and I've got Kayla Haycraft on with me and we're going to be talking about managing staff that have been um, with her a little bit more long term and sort of the ebbs and flows that go along with having um, clinicians who've been around for a while who maybe have a harder time with change that comes along with a growing group practice. So hi Kayla, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Um, as you guys don't know, I just literally started doing this episode with her and realized I didn't record. So we're going to have a fun time sort of repeating half of our podcast, um, because I literally forgot to record, um, the funds of having a podcast. So again, uh, tell everyone, I know this is their first time now hearing it, but can you go through and talk a little bit about your practice and where you're at? Um, and then just go ahead and jump right into um, the concerns that you have and the things that I can kind of help you with when it comes to um, managing longer term staff and growth. Yeah. So I started my practice in, back in 2016 and it started out as just a private practice, me kind of doing my own solo thing. And then after about six months, um, I had hired an office person. Somebody kind of helped me with some of the marketing and billing and scheduling those sorts of tasks and then a couple months later, hired my first clinician. Um, and then shortly after that, hired another clinician. Um, and so we went from just me to three of us. Um, the first year as a group practice was kind of had a, its ebbs and flows, some slow times and then some busy times. Um, but really in the last year, it's just taken off Um about a year ago, we hired another clinician as well. So I've had one person who's been with me now for two years. And then one of my other gals has been with me a year. And then we just recently hired two more as well. Um, so four clinicians total and myself and then an admin person. Um, okay. So I am assuming that our conversation is going to lead um, around the longer term people and their thoughts or feelings around your group practices growth? Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So we just recently, uh, recently as of two months ago, moved into a new office and hired the two new clinicians. Um, so we've kind of doubled, doubled in size and space. Um, and I've just noticed some changes with the two people who have been here a while, just in kind of culture in the office, more um, 
I guess, less small talk and more closed doors and things like that and had gotten an email from one of them who was just kind of um, upset about her pay. And so I've just been having a difficult time trying to kind of navigate that. She's feeling like because she's been here almost two years and since the beginning, now that we're seeing success, she feels she should get a large raise. Mm-hmm. Um, and she feels she shouldn't be making the same as the other clinicians. Um, tell me a little bit about um, what your relationship has been like with with this person or these few people that were a little bit more long-term. And then um, a little bit about how you're set up compensation wise with them. Um, just because I know some of the other listeners are going to want to try to uh, put themselves in, in your position in terms of how, you know, how they have their group practice set up with compensation and, um, expectations around that. So if you can give a little bit of feedback on that. Yeah. So it's mostly just one employee, the one who's been here two years. And mm-hmm. when she started, it was a 50, 50 split paid out at the time that the money came in. Yep. So sometimes they'd have to wait a few weeks for insurance and whatnot. Um, she did not like the unpredictability of that. Um, it was really a challenge for her and I really valued her. And I've actually known her a long time before this. We had worked together at another agency. Um, and so I kind of heard her and I said, well, we can move you to just a flat fee. And then she was going to help with some of the billing as well to get more guaranteed hours to help kind of offset that. Mm -hmm. And we did that since last April and it had actually been working really, really well. Um, And then now that we're here and we're grown and we're much more stable, she saw, well, I could be making a lot more money if I was doing it the old way. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I heard her, I said, okay, you know, um, we'll go back to that, but it's not going to be like guaranteed, you know, that, and that was a challenge. And she's like, I know. So we hired an admin person, took her off of the billing. Um, and she didn't want to do the split. She wanted to stay at a flat hourly fee. Um, so we came up with a number and overall it equals about 45%, but she's paid out biweekly. It doesn't matter if the money's come in or not. She's just paid guaranteed. Right. Um, but she's very unhappy <laughs> about that and feels like it should be much higher. So she's wanting that 50% what she was at before. Yes. But not in the percentage. Yeah. Right. Cause it sounds like you said that she had said when she was at the hourly rate, well, she was initially at the percentage at 50% then didn't like the unpredictability. You were able to, um, be flexible with her and went to the, flat rate. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was then guaranteed income, whether a client, um, insurance paid or didn't pay, whether a client paid or didn't pay their copay, she was kind of set with that flat rate. The risk was more on you. And then, uh, obviously it makes sense as she grows and becomes more stable in how many clients she's seeing and getting comfortable with that. Um, it obviously now makes for her, she feels like it makes more sense for her to go back to this 50% place um, but she doesn't didn't want it as a commission based pay. She wanted the fifty percent in a flat dollar. So she wanted almost like the best of both worlds. She wanted to be yeah. up at fifty percent, but also be paid whether uh, the insurance paid or whether the client paid their portion or not. Is that yes. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
interesting because it's it sounds like essentially she's trying to you know pick from different buckets and get like the maximized benefit she can um have you had a conversation with her um because it sounds like you're really good at listening and being open to exploring options and um you know there's a lot of practice owners who kind of stand firm in how they're running things and uh wouldn't be open to changing compensation structures completely from percentage to flat rate to, you know, this and that. And so it sounds like you're really being flexi- flexible and open to hearing her out and kind of thinking through how you can make it work. Um, but have you been able to sit down and sort of talk about kind of what she's asking for and and what that looks like in terms of, you know, the sort of risk analysis of what most practices do versus what you're trying to accomplish with her in terms of like, you know, practices that do commission-based pay. The reason mm-hmm. that people do that commission-based pay is that they're both equally um, taking the risk in a way, right? There, If a client doesn't pay, the practice doesn't get their percentage and neither does the clinician. If um, a client doesn't pay, the practice doesn't get their commission. The the uh, clinician doesn't get their, their commission. Um, but that with that comes the risk that both people are taking. Um, that when a practice goes to a flat rate, that it's typically less because the risk is assumed on the practice and that the clinician knows that they can have a guaranteed amount, whether or not insurance or clients pay. Um, have you gone kind of through that and, and kind of just, I guess I can see that clinicians not being business minded, they obviously don't own a private practice at all, um, might not be looking at it. They might be looking at it from a very literal sort of standpoint of, um, you know, she was willing to offer 50%, 50% would look like this kind of dollar amount. Why can't I just have that dollar amount? Cause it's the same as if it would have been commission-based pay, which is something that she was okay with, or Kayla was okay with before, you know, she might be just looking at it very literally. Have you kind of, mm-hmm. kind of talked about the reasoning behind compensation pace pay versus flat pay? And that flat pay typically is lower because the risk is more assumed on the practice and that, um, it, like that's sort of the logical. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have. So I, I explained all of that to her when I sat down and kind of gave her the flat hourly rate amount mm-hmm. and said, you know, this is why it's this amount. This is why it's not that 50% and kind of had explained everything that you just talked about. Okay. Um, and, and her email that she's, and she seemed to understand it at the time. And then three days later sent me an email saying that, it was just a hard pill for her to swallow because she knew how much the practice was making because she had been doing a lot of our billing. Yep. Um, So this is, I just um, did my Q and a for the, you know, membership site earlier this morning and we had a handful of therapists or group practice owners who were talking about this exact thing. And I was saying how we're in this unique sort of position as group practice owners, because I I'm very transparent in, um, showing income with the clinicians in my practice. They can see the revenue that they generate for the practice. They literally multiply their commission by the total amount. So they see how much the practice uh, keeps. They know how much they keep. Um, And so we're really, I'm really transparent. And we were talking about this in the Q&A earlier that um, we're in this unique position because every business, every business has to have a profit. Even when you're in solo practice, um, your expectation is is that you're going to make a profit um, and and not kind of literally just make enough to like barely make ends meet, right? Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, but it's a hard concept for clinicians in a practice to 
kind of use that concept and think, yeah, obviously the group practice has to also make a profit because they're taking on all these risks. But the other piece that's, um, that is the unique piece is that um, most businesses, if you think of like corporate Walgreens um, or any sort of like corporation, larger corporation, um, all the way down to working like a storefront or a shoe store or anything like that, um, all their employees are typically making a flat dollar amount or a salary. And it's, I mean, we're pretty standard across um, across all fields in that the uh, employee, the business typically makes a, a certain percentage of the income that that employee generates in revenue. You know, it's just that they don't get to see how much revenue. And if you look at most businesses, um, we, we tend to pay um, pretty high because we're in a professional industry and our staff are masters and doctorate level people. So we tend to pay out 50% plus to, um, to our clinicians where in other businesses, if, uh, if you look at it, like even in corporations, executives and, and management level people all the way to, you know, Starbucks employees, like I'm sitting in front of Starbucks, which is why I'm bringing that up, um, that they, they're probably, their revenue is probably at least 60, 70% that the business is making after paying, um, paying their staff, but there's, you know, staff don't look at it in that sort of way because they're used to not being able to see the bigger picture in terms of the income that the business is bringing in. They just know I'm getting paid this a uh, dollar amount. I have no idea what this uh, standalone Starbucks is bringing in that I'm working at. Um, but we have that. Our clinicians can see that. And so there is um, more of this, well, hmm, I, I get to be a part of seeing how much I'm bringing in. Um, so I feel like I have this uh, expect uh, allowance to be able to expect more, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a just a unique position that we're in in this sort of field. Because if you go into like the hospital setting, and I've had um, a lot of conversations about this, is that doctors and uh, nurse practitioners and nurses and even you know social workers and therapists that are in the hospital, like those they they are more often than not completely content with their salaries, which I know firsthand the salaries that they or the commission that they can make in a private practice ends up being more um, than their salaries in a hospital for almost part-time work. But because they don't get to see the numbers, they're they're not judging that, you know? And so I just think, you know, long story short, we're in this unique sort of position where they get to see the income. So they, they think that they have this ability to just uh, request more and more uh, income when in reality, it's just that they don't have this like business um, know-how to, to understand. Obviously, this therapist person who I feel like is kind of a peer to me, but is really a group practice owner also needs to make sure that the business is getting a profit because if it's not, then the business isn't successful. And if the business isn't successful, then the clinicians at some point are going to lose their jobs, you know? Right. It's like, I can do this and be a clinician and make an income that way. But as a business owner, what's the point in taking on all the risk if it's not making a profit on top of that? Yep, exactly. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, part of the um, last conversation I had about this is, is to reflect in and look at your compensation structures. I had for the longest time, this feeling of needing uh, to pay more and more to clinicians or offer more and more benefits. Um, and that I, it, there was a sense of uh, a money mindset issue on my end. Um, and when I took a look at it and, and looked at everything that the prep, my practice, my group practice offers clinicians, both 
financially and non-financially, um, whether it's their compensation, any benefits that are offered, the workplace culture that we provide, the supervision that we have, uh, clinical directors, all that stuff. We offer groups and workshops. They can do pretty much anything under the sun. Um, when I put all those things together, I was like, "Can do I feel confident in my compensation package that my clinicians have working at my practice? Um, and when I looked at that and had it kind of written on paper, I was like, yes, this is really good. I feel good about this. Um, and so I might urge you to look at, at your numbers and really just write down what is it that they get working in your practice? Do they get supervision? Are they able to run workshops or groups? Are they, you know, what percentage or what flat rate are they getting? Is that, um, is that industry standard or competitive? Are there any benefits or CEUs or, you know, any of those things? Um, mm-hmm. What kind of stuff are you offering? And then to take a look at that. And because a lot of times what I end up finding out, realizing is that group practice owners don't feel confident in their numbers because they haven't really looked at it. But when I talk them through, I'm like, you're paying in like industry standard, wherever they go, that's, it. they're going to be making around that much, you know, no practice is really crazy high or low, you know, mm-hmm. they're all around that 50 ish percent mark, some around 45, some around 55, but it's all very close. Um, but when you look at some of the extras that you offer in your practice, you m- might realize I actually offer people in my practice a good, um, well-rounded amount of benefits and incentives. And um, when you get to that point where you can actually feel confident in that, um, if you can have that discussion after feeling really good about your compensation structure, what I've noticed is that clinicians almost need to know that you feel confident in it. And then they also kind of settle into their seats a little and relax a little and realize, okay, she's she's serious. She feels good about this. This must be good. This must be good. And I, I just have nothing else to compare it to, you know, maybe this is the first practice I've worked at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my one suggestion might be to kind of look at what you have and see if you feel confident in it. Cause if you don't, um, that's going to come off. And if you mm-hmm. feel apologetic or if you feel like, Oh, let me, I can change this around or, you know, let's see, is there something else I can do? They're going to think, well, then I must be really right. And I'm all obviously not making enough money. Um, but if you're, if you get confident and you're like, you know what, this is the stuff I offer. I feel really good about it. I feel really good about it, but I totally understand that everyone deserves to make as much as they can. Um, and so if you need to look and see, is there a practice that can offer you this or more everything, not just the financial, but also, you know, you can find a practice that might give them 5% more, but the workplace culture is crappy, you know, mm-hmm. and to say like all of these things, like if you can find that somewhere else and also be making more, then you deserve it. I mean, in tr- honesty, this is something that I had done once and uh, to, to one clinician who really wanted to make more. And she ended up looking around and wasn't able to find a practice that could offer the things that we had with the culture and all of that um, at the time. And so she had come back and was like, yeah, um, I think you actually are offering a, a fair compensation package. But if, if they don't know any better, if they haven't looked, um, mm-hmm. naturally they're going to gonna expect more. And so that I don't know, how do you feel about your compensation structure and your overall um, staff benefits? And, and do you feel confident when you're talking to your clinician about that to be like, you know, I, I urge you to look if you really, I, I don't want you to go um, if you don't. Um, but I truly believe everyone, everyone should make as much as they can. And if, if you think that there's something better out there, um, I, I don't want to be the one that's in the way, but I'm super confident in what I offer and I know it's good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel confident in it. I know that I pay above what other practices pay in the area. Um, and we have, you know, a nice office, like views. It's really comfortable for our clients. They can come and go as they please. There's not certain hours that they have to work. They have total flexibility with their own scheduling. Um, so I do feel confident with that part of it. And so my suggestion is next time this conversation is had, um, is, is to kind of articulate that part of it versus the kind of comparison piece or the explanation piece of, um, why she's at what she's at is to just Mm -hmm. express the confidence in the compensation package and to say, um, you know, if you're not on board, if this is a cause of resentment for you, I don't want it to be, I can't offer you more because I know that I'm offering something really good here. Um, so I can't have the conversation again about offering more. But if it's if it's something that's um, sits doesn't sit well with you, I you know I, I urge you to to take a look around and see if there's something else out there. Um, I, I would love for you to stay, and I value you as a therapist. But I I also need to know that my that I'm I need you to know that I'm feeling good about my compensation structure. But I also I, I don't want to have clinicians who are uh, unhappy with and unsatisfied with and are resentful of what they're what they're making. And um, that might be enough for her to just, you know, take a look around and, and, and see what else is what else is out there and to realize that she's probably got it really good in right. that sense. Yeah. Like I said, I, think- I feel like at the end of the day, it really comes down to the, the confidence piece unless you're actually not paying very well, which I've mm-hmm. had a lot of practices that I've worked with too, who I'm like, they're, they're paying... Um, sort of on the lower end. And I'm like, well, let's look at the financial piece and see if there's a way that you can cut some expenses and, you know, uh, be able to either raise your rates or whatever to actually make the compensation a little bit more comparable to what's around them. But if you feel like that's already been met, then the the thing that stands in the way is one, this person might be someone who's ready for private practice. Um, because that's the only other thing, right? If, there, if you're above industry standard, if you're above your kind of other group practices in the area, she's not going to find better. She can go ahead and look. But sometimes some people are naturally meant to kind of move up just like you did um, and and have their own practice. And, and, you know, they'll obviously learn kind of as they do that, that there's a lot of unworked hours that they're going to work and it, you know, that Mm -hmm. comes with a whole own host of, uh, you know, needing to do work and not actually be compensated for the marketing and all that stuff. But um, that's the only other option really is either the practice isn't providing enough or if it is, the clinician is just not really aware of what is being offered around and assumes that they're not being paid well. Right. Yeah. I think the other piece for her too is um, she doesn't know what the new clinicians make, but she's just assuming that it's the same and it is. Um, But I think, you know, she's had performance issues over the last year, just a lot of like her clients being here and her not and me having to call her (laughs) being like, your clients here and missing notes and things like that. But yet she's also like, feels like she should make more than all the other clinicians because she's been here just under two years. And I, it's like, it's not given, you can earn it. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess this is more of a practice related, you know, how you practice as a business owner um, sort of thing. Cause I um, have all my fully licensed people at one percentage. I have all my not like provisionally licensed people are at a lower percentage. I don't separate by by length of years in practice. 
Um, what I do is I make sure that every year our rates are going up, that our reimbursement with insurance is I'm uh, requesting fee increases with the ones that I'm in with. So they, by default, because they're commission-based, they're always making more each year. And so that's mm-hmm. sort of like their raise. Um, but I know other practices, so that for that reason, I'm, I tell, they all know everyone makes the same. Um, it is what it is. We're all professionally licensed people. Um, and they're making as high amount as, as they possibly can in private practice. There isn't any more wiggle room for me to even give them, you know, a percentage more. And so, um, it, that is what it is. And and they all, they all know that, but I do know some other practices that start a little bit lower and throughout the years can offer, you know, uh, 5% uh, more, but really there's going to just be a cap, you know, um, mm-hmm. there isn't, there's only so far you can go. And so, um, that's something maybe to think about if you're wanting to have something that is like, you know, fully licensed people at one rate, provisionally licensed people at a different rate, or if you want to have something for people, um, whether it's like a 5% difference, like 50% for, um, the first two years. And after two years of being employed, um, you know, uh, the ability to increase to 55%, let's say, you know, um, that's kind of a practice by practice difference that I see. Um, but I guess it sort of depends on what you're looking for in that sense. Yeah. 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 Do you guys do you guys pay out when the money comes in or do you just pay at the time of service? When the income comes in. Okay. Yep. That's pretty that's pretty standard. Um for commission based pay, I don't I don't think I know anyone that does commission based pay who pays ahead of like a, as the appointment is being done and not when the uh, income actually comes in. I know for flat flat rate, the typical standard is to pay ahead of time, which is why the flat rate or to pay before as the session is happening versus mm-hmm. when the income comes comes in, which is why it is completely standard for the flat rate um, pay to be a little bit less um, than the commission-based pay. And typically people base it off of how many um, cl- claims don't get paid out at the end of the year, what percentage of claims or what income of claims end up not getting paid, how many uh, reduced rate. And then you got to think of this too, is like how many clients are you reducing rates for? Because the assumption is, um, if you do any sliding scales or reduced rate, the clinician is still making what they make, which means now the practice is making less. So looking at that, um, mm-hmm. and with commission, everything is always equal. If, if a clinician wants to reduce a rate for a full fee client, it affects both of us equally. Whereas if you're um, paying someone, let's say $50 an hour and you charge 100 and the clinician wants to reduce it to 80 or 75 she's still going to get her $50. Now, the practice is actually making, is, is losing. Um, a hundred percent of it versus it being sort of split. And that's why it's tip it's standard for um, people who do a flat rate to be a little bit less than the commission-based pay, especially if they're um, making pay, paying the clinician out at the time of service versus um, when payments come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That my, makes sense. my suggestion would be to, if, if that conversation comes up, I, uh, I, it sounds like you've had a couple of conversations with her already about or two, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, when it comes to money, if I feel like I'm clear, I, I'll only have the conversation like two or three times. And in that last one, I'll say like, this is really the last time I can kind of talk about this specific topic with you um, because I've been very clear and you know I can't move forward in any other way with it. And so at this point, we're just kind of both sort of wasting each other's time having the conversation because I can't change this. Um, 
Um, but to, to really reiterate the, the confidence that you have in your compensation and to, to say, you know, take a look, go, you know, go take a look around. If you can find something better then you, you definitely deserve to have that. Um, but I feel really good about what I offer and I, and I know that I'm, I'm, I'm paying well in our area. Um, and so maybe it, maybe you just need to take a look and see that that is the, actually the case so that you, you know, kind of come to this point of agreeance with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have like a minute left. Is there anything else relating to this that you wanted to ask? Um, let me look over my questions really quick. I had them yeah. down. Awesome. Um, I guess kind of just along the line of like growing and expanding. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is kind of a shift in culture more so with the two people who have been here longer, um, where it used to be very like open door, everybody said hi and bye. Um, and now it seems a bit more standoffish now that there's more people in the, the office. So I guess, how do you go about, um, like continuing to encourage like a positive and welcoming work environment? Yes, this is uh, kind of my favorite type of question because I feel like this is the focus that I mainly have uh, as the business owner now just because I know a negative workplace culture, one person that makes it negative can just spoil the whole thing. Um, I One of the things that I do is that my interview process is heavily my specific interview with the clinician, the potential clinician is very heavy on talking about workplace culture. And I really read nonverbal cues and verbal cues when I'm talking about workplace culture. And I even bring up like, um, you know, a clinician who's a really good fit has their door open between sessions that I, um, a good clinician that's a, or a clinician that's a good fitness practice. Um, but when there's a cancellation or when there's a, a gap in seeing clients is like sitting in another clinician's room doing case consult or talking about life and I can walk past their office and see them connecting and collaborating. That's the ideal workplace environment for our practice and the type of clinicians that we're looking for. And I'll go in like the type of clinician that's not a good fit is the one that's like so independent that they aren't there. I mean, cause it's important for our clinicians to be independent, but not at the point where they're closing the doors. And so I'll bring it up like a clinician who closes the door between session and kind of stays to themselves, comes in, sees their clients and leaves right away without really connecting and collaborating with the other clinicians. Isn't going to be in an ideal fit um, for our practice. And there's definitely practices out there for that kind of clinician, um, especially ones with contractors, but that for us, this is really uh, a non-negotiable and that, um, and I kind of like watch to see how they react. And there's, it's very clear. The people who are excited about it are like, eyes are open. They're nodding as I'm talking. And then they bring up usually an instance where they worked somewhere else where it wasn't like that, that they're really excited about that. And then there's people who are kind of listening, but I, I don't see any enthusiasm coming out as I'm talking. And I, I can tell, okay, this is maybe not something valuable to them or important to them. And for me, from a risk analysis standpoint, I'm always like, well, you, she could be a great clinician, but um, I'm not getting the vibe that this person is resonating with what I'm saying um, when it comes to workplace culture, and I won't actually move forward. So I'm very clear during the interview process, and I actually spend a little bit of time talking about workplace culture, and that it's really like one of the biggest things that I'm looking for. And so they're either very clearly on board with that. Um, and that helps me know that they're going to promote that. Um, and then kind of looking outside of the interview process, I am now at a place where I have people in management that can help support me in this. 
um, now with a supervisor that's at each location and part of their job description is literally to model positive workplace culture and make sure that they're engaging the clinicians in um, connecting and um, communicating and, you know, keeping the doors open and, and sort of connecting with each other is like literally part of their job description. But before we had that, um, myself, uh, I would just make sure that every week I had time and I would pop into people's offices. Like if one of my clinicians, their door was open, I would just go in and sit on the couch and say, how are things going? Um, you know, and everyone was in a place where they could talk about their kids and things that they're doing for vacation. And it's not all about work. And I think that healthy balance of being willing to model that and, and talk a little bit about your own personal stuff. Um, you know, like in my example, to be able to say, um, I'm going to be out of the office next week. I'm going to, I don't know, Hawaii, wherever. And, and, you know, that usually sparks a conversation. And that really is me modeling that behavior and that connection allows them to see that this is important. And typically they kind of follow suit. It's only in, and I, this is a lesson that I learned when I opened my second location, is that it doesn't naturally just continue. So when I opened the second location where I was not at, I worked out, out of the main location, um, that workplace culture did not naturally happen. And we actually had to purposefully implement implement it by me working one day a week over there. My clinical director worked one day a week over there. Our office admin worked two days a week over there. So we could literally draw that um, workplace culture feel into that next location. So it's definitely something you have to be intentional about and that you have to talk about with them and say, this is really important to me. How can we, um, you know, continue to create this vibe of a connection um, and, and to model that yourself and to talk to people when they're not modeling that and to say, um, I'm set, I'm noticing that you're, you know, staying to yourself uh, more now. And I, I just kind of want to see what's going on. Obviously, you know, that it's really important to me that everyone is connecting with each other and communicating and that, you know, what lights me up is when clinicians are at the, at the, you know, reception area, talking to the re- receptionist, whatever it is. Um, when you bring that up and when you model it, and I did it every single week, I would make sure that I'm doing, making some level of an effort with each clinician to promote that, um, that that was what really shifted the change in that second location, which was the location that didn't naturally have that connecting feel. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I can definitely do more of modeling that myself since we opened and onboarding new clinicians and kind of growing into the new space. I've just had, I've been so busy that I haven't made that a priority like I should. So that's exactly what I did. And I kind of partially thought like it just will happen, you know, Mm -hmm. that it'll just, if I hire people who are nice and who are, you know, willing to talk to each other, that this should sort of just happen on its own. And I learned kind of the hard way that it was something I had to actually work at. Um, Mm -hmm. But but because it was important to me, I ended up making sure for the first three or so months that I prioritized time every single week. And not just me, but my clinical director did. My biller worked out of that location then. I mean, everyone was driving back and forth just to kind of bring bring that over to that location. But it's definitely something that you have to be purposeful about and um, let the clinicians know that you're being purposeful about it. Because that's another piece is, for me, a lot of the things that happen are happen in my head. And then I do things uh, like have conversations with clinicians and they don't realize I'm doing it for that reason. So I um, am really intentional about letting people know why I'm doing what I'm doing and why that thing is important because then that's the only way that they can kind of get on board with it and also be intentional about it. 
Right. That makes total sense. Awesome. Um, well, we are just at the end here. So um, thanks for coming on. I yes. hope it was helpful. I look forward to hearing in the membership site a little bit uh, about this as you kind of work through this this issue with your first clinician and the workplace culture stuff. I mean, make sure to let us know how that's going and if there's anything else I can do to help you or questions I can answer around that. Um, make sure to tag me in and ask. Great. Thank you so much. It was really, really helpful. Awesome. Have a good rest of your Monday. All right. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.